I have a Mark Grace jersey that got sent to me, and Gracie signed it, so I got to wear it today. Not sure why, other than the fact that the first time since 2014 the Cubs went into L.A. and beat the Dodgers in a series, so I am celebrating. That's right. Smash the like button and follow on the YouTube chat. Nothing wrong. The YouTube chat is always rocking and rolling. Great question. My man Dylan, when we were talking off air, he is producer extraordinaire. He is the man behind the machine. He said, I don't know if Draymond Green's the smartest or the dumbest. I don't know if he's the most entertaining or the most ridiculous. And man, oh man, is my man Dylan right. I can't decide because Draymond Green is not original. I mean, let's be honest. Dennis Rodman was doing all the stuff that Draymond Green was doing without question. And he won championships just like Draymond Green is doing as a side player with the Michael Jordan Bulls. And now Draymond Green is out there doing the same kind of stuff. Although I must say Rodman stomped on a photographer, Green last night, stomped on former Indiana Pacer, DeMonte Sabonis, right in the chest. Now, I got to tell you, I'm looking at Green. We're in the heat of the battle. It's a crazy crowd. People are on my backside, and I got this guy hanging on to my leg. Sabonis is hanging on to his ankles. He's like my dog Lula, nipping at my heels. Well, guess what? Green, in the heat of a battle, decided that, you know what? I'm going to stomp him. I'm not mad about it. You want to grab a man's leg, you're going to get a reaction. I'm just saying. I'm not mad. I know we're supposed to criticize Green. I know we're supposed to be mad at Green. I know we're supposed to say Green's an idiot. And he. this is the paradox. Yeah, I'm not mad at Green for doing it. I'm mad at Green if I'm Golden State for getting ejected. Uh, Golden State is up. Golden State's in pretty good shape. Next, thing, or I'm sorry, Golden State is making a big comeback from being down 14. Golden State's in pretty good shape. And as I read the recount after, because I watched the game, but you don't know really what's happening in the huddle until you kind of figure it out after. Well, the players for the Kings, De'Aaron Fox, said, look, Got a chance to regroup during the whole Draymond Green going to the crowd and getting kicked out. Got a chance to regroup on the whole thing. Got a chance to get our minds right. Got a, get a, got a chance to get our heads together. And they end up taking the game out. Yeah, you know, it's fascinating because on one hand, you're like, Green's awesome. Hey, man, heat of the battle. Some guy grabs your leg. I know cooler heads are supposed to say, well, you're not supposed to do that. You never stomp another man, blah, 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 blah. But heat of the battle, no. Hell no. Sometimes you got to stomp a fool. We saw Christian Leitner do it to Amino Timberlake a long time ago in the NCAA tournament. Look, I'm not saying that that's the right play. I'm saying that's the entertaining play. And then, of course, the WWE, bring it to me, give it to me. It's great. And then what I liked about Green, I'll get to what I disliked about it, but what I liked about Green was in the press conference, somebody asked him, hey, you're down two zip, you've never been down two zip. And he said, yeah, that's fun, isn't it? We've overcome a lot of challenges. We've had a lot of adversity, different times, but we've always overcome them, and this will be another interesting, fun thing. I like that answer. I like that answer a lot. I thought that answer was great. I did. Because he's right. What are you going to do? Sit there and go, well, series over. What are you going to do? Sit there and go, no, we're better than this other team. You're clearly, at least in Sacramento, not better than the other team. But that's the beauty of Green. He's smart enough to understand the situation, confident enough to understand who he's playing with and what he's doing, and verbal enough to articulate it. 
Yeah, it's pretty good. I am not verbal enough. See, I sometimes, when I get in an emotional situation, going back to when I coached, I couldn't articulate it like what Green did. Green articulated it beautifully. Hey, yeah, what are you talking about? It's another challenge. Yeah, we haven't faced it, but we're going to. Yeah, we faced a bunch of challenges. It was really good. And now the negative. Look. You're battling for your playoff lives. The NBA is long. I mean, it is long. It never ends, it seems like, the NBA. What? The NBA practice starts like end of September, and we're going to go into June, particularly for a team like the Golden State Warriors. This thing never ends. It doesn't. So now you're battling after a long season. You're in a hell of a game. You're in a hell of a fight with a team that's young, got a great crowd, superstars, the Aaron Fox, a bonus really good. And you get a player that's valuable. Not your best player. Certainly you can win without Draymond Green, but you get him booted at a time when, man, you got all the momentum on your side. And as I said a few minutes ago, Golden State was coming back Sacramento had time to regroup, and in basketball, it's amazing the momentum swings, and it's amazing during stoppages what you can get done in a huddle to get your team either going or to get your team either calmed down, and in this case, Sacramento got itself calmed down, and they ended up getting on a run and took the game out while Green's in the locker room figuring out how he's going to spin this. That's the negative. That's the distraction part. Now, here's the difference. In-game, the distractions don't bother Curry and Thompson and Wiggins and Looney and the rest because they play with them every day. They know them. They see them. They practice with them. But, man, when you get kicked out, now you got a problem. And here's the other problem. Remember Jordan Poole got punched early in the year? Remember Jordan Poole, Green, boom. Well, Jordan Poole hadn't really shown up in this playoff series. One for seven yesterday. Now, Jordan Poole was going to be the next guy. Jordan Poole was a terrific draft choice out of Michigan. He waited. He was a two-way player. Broke out really last year, the year before. And now he's got to be the guy. Well, he wasn't the guy yesterday. Jordan Poole went one for seven, and that's a big deal. In the NBA, you got to have your stars shine, man. You got to have them show out in the playoffs. It's just what's uh, the deal. Look. Think about it. From the biggest programs yesterday, De'Aaron Fox, Malik Monk. De'Aaron Fox, 24, off the heels of a 38 performance. Where did he play Kentucky? Malik Monk had another 18. Malik Monk coming off of a 30-point performance. Where did he play Kentucky? Kentucky guys are showing out, man. They're playing great. They're playing absolutely freaking awesome. De'Aaron Fox has been the best player in the playoffs to this point, and I'm not sure it's even close. I'm not. That dude has been better than any. Yeah, Steph Curry's terrific. Yes, I get it. Embiid, great. Maxie, another kid from Kentucky. We'll get into the Philadelphia story coming up here in a minute. Anthony Gargano uh, is going to join us, legendary talk show host out of the great city of Philadelphia. Philadelphia rules. But anyway, that's what's going down, and now the Warriors are down Two zip. I mentioned we'll talk to Anthony Gargano coming up. You can follow Anthony, Anthony L G A R G A N O, uh, coming up here in about, oh, I don't know, two or three minutes. But it's two, uh, I'm sorry, in about eight minutes. Uh, it's two to nothing. All right. That's not the only game in town, though. The other game in town doesn't involve sports. The other game in town involves what's going on with Bud Light, Florida, transgender, the whole deal. 
And Ron DeSantis and his crew, never one to back away. I think you'll like this. Remember we showed you the real men of genius ads that Bud Light used to do the other day? Remember we showed you that? Well, Ron DeSantis and his crew took out an ad, a spoof ad, a parody ad, about Bud Light. Let's have a look. Team DeSantis presents... Real man of women's sports. Today, we recognize the men who've hacked the system. Hacked the system. Once mediocre in the men's division, now cream of the crop in the women's. From mediocre to champion. You couldn't cut it with the boys, so you pushed women off the podium. Real man, steal first place. Because without you, sports would be fair. Without you, women's sports would be for, well, women. I love it. I love it. People are asking me, why are you all over this? Why do you hate transgender people? I don't dislike transgender people. I don't even know any transgender people. I just don't like women being pushed aside. I just don't like women being marginalized. I just don't like women mocked. I don't. And I will continue no matter. Look, here's what happens in the world that we live in. People get involved in things. It's called the Christmas morning, I'll call it the Christmas morning syndrome. Christmas morning, you get Legos or you get a present and you're playing with it, right? And then a few days later, you're off to something else. I don't know what it is. Well, it's the same thing with boycotts. Boycotts, you get going, ah, I'm boycott. I'm not drinking Bud Light. I'm not drinking Anheuser-Busch products. And a couple days later, you're like, hey, you know what? I'm out mowing the grass. Bud Light sounds pretty good. I got them in the fridge. Well, that ain't what I'm doing, people. I'm staying strong as hell. That's right. I'm not messing around. There will be no Bud Light products. There will be none. Zero zip. And it's hurting me because I told you my beer of choice this summer was going to be something called Mango Cart, which was a a Bud Light Anheuser-Busch product. So there you go. I'm staying strong, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not jagassing around here. Not at all. Damn it. I'll show you. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, did you know, and this is true, if you really look at sports these days, Philadelphia is the sports capital of America. Now, people in Philly will tell you that, well, you know, you know, Philadelphia is always the capital of sports. Yeah, no, it's not. No. I mean, every city thinks they're the capital. Right now, my town, Chicago, is the capital of a bunch of little uh, teenagers destroying stuff, beating up white women, and destroying property. That's what my town, Chicago, is. That's all it is. And that teen takeover needs to be met with a, a National Guard takeover, and the whole thing needs to be cleaned out. But I digress. I do. But Philadelphia can make the claim. I mean, let's go through it. Jalen Hurts just signs the biggest deal, at least in number. In NFL history, Josh Harris, owner of the Sixers, is going to go ahead and buy the Commanders. And, of course, Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey are leading the 76ers. You might say they're the favorite right now. And nobody better talk better to talk to than Anthony Gargano, who is the host. 10 o'clock, 97.5, the Fanatic. And you hear him on Fox Sports Radio. Philly's the center of the sports world, big boy. Congratulations. A lot to talk about. In your town. We are. That's right. We are, Danny. <laughs> the center of the you universe. Know, let's go through it. Jalen Hurts. When you dra- let's go backwards, okay? You draft Jalen Hurts. What was the reaction in Philly when the kid came to Philly? Was there any reaction? Negative, positive? What'd you have? 
So there was one word reaction. That was the reaction. You know, listen, they had Carson Wentz at the time. They were trying to figure out what Carson was doing. They were trying to figure out, well, we have a franchise quarterback. They, he needs help. There's no receivers. So why are you drafting a quarterback in the second round when you already have a quarterback like Wentz who is completely upset and very uh, – who's a very sensitive guy? So nobody liked the pick, and here it is. Wentz turns out to be a colossal failure, a disappointment, and Hurts turns out to be the highest-paid player in the NFL. It's an amazing story. Did when did you see? When did you see? Wait a second. All right, this hurts kids pretty good. No, it's a great question, Danny. Uh, it really was this year. Coming into this past season, it was all right. He's got to be able to show you that he can throw downfield. And remember, the last if you go back to last year's playoff game against Tampa, he had guys wide open. He did not play well in that game. It was a wild card game. And it was Nick Sirianni's first year as coach. And we had a lot of questions. And remember, the Eagles were stocked. They had two picks for this year's draft. So it was all right. If Jalen is not the guy, we'll find out this year. And then we'll just draft the next quarterback. And it turned out that Jalen, who worked really hard in the offseason, he worked with his mechanics. And you saw him in the Super Bowl all season long. He became a really good thrower. Dan, I don't remember a quarterback who had who made that kind of leap with his arm. Listen, we knew he was a superior athlete. We knew that he was a like a great runner, and they ran those RPRs really well. But his throwing ability improved, you know, light years. Now we can attribute it to working on his, on his mechanics. We can attribute second year of the system, the first time he's ever had to deal with that. But it's an amazing, you know, turnaround. So. We didn't realize it until this season. This season as it got underway. You know, one of the things about Hurts, and I, I think you'd agree with this, uh, character matters, man. And that dude seems to be going back to when he got benched, actually going back when he's a first starter in 32 years for Alabama. That dude's got something about him, I think, that's kind of special, no? Oh, Dan, you're so spot on, man. You're so... This dude, right, you love him. He's the son of a coach, right? So his dad was a coach. He's a tireless worker. He's not interested in anything other than football. The dude really is a football wonk. And here's the thing that I love, and we talk about the contract all the time, but if there's a guy that you're going to trust giving all that money to, it's Jalen. He's not going to do anything stupid. He's not going to He's not going to not work. You know, you give, you give guys that kind of money, and sometimes it takes away their ability to work hard and work at their craft. You don't have to worry about with Jalen. With Jalen, it's all about getting better and trying to win. Danny, you're so right about him. Dude, he is one of the greatest kids that I've met. I've covered sports for 30 years, and he is one of the, the best kids I've ever met. Hey, uh, speaking, let's continue with Philly. Um Man, Tyrese Maxey, I know he was all right at Kentucky. He was good at Kentucky, but 33 last night, I mean, damn. How good are the Sixers? Yo, so here's the thing. It comes down to Boston. 
if they can beat Boston, they're going to win it all. And if that's what it's going to happen. It's funny you bring up Maxie, and we have the pandemic to thank for it. Think about the Sixers and how they dealt with the process, right? The process has been something that we talk about all the time in Philadelphia. And, you know, the beauty of it is that Maxie is a gift from the pandemic because if they play a tournament, there's no way he's there when the Sixers pick. So the process yielded Ben Simmons, who was a flop, Jaleel Okafor, who was a flop, Markel Fultz, who was a flop, and the gift comes in Maxie. If Maxie can play like he did last night and Tobias Harris play like they did last night, that team wins it all. Oh, how good's Embiid? Oh, Dan, 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 Dan. He, you're a you're a great basketball guy. You you see a million players and watching him every night. I I had the same reaction watching Embiid that I do watching Iverson. When I covered Iverson, I'm like, wow, man, I never saw a guy 5'11 do that kind of do that kind of stuff on the floor. And Embiid's the opposite, right? He's 7'1, 7'2. You know, he's a traditional big with incredible movement. So if movement is art, then he is the greatest art forger I've ever seen. He does Dirk, he does Kobe, he does Shaq. He does LeBron. He does, I mean, he did an AI, man. He's an amazing player, night in, night out. And you know what he's doing that I'm so proud of him for is that he realizes, like last night's game, it's not about him scoring 50 last night. It's about Maxi and about Tobias and about getting his teammates involved. So he had seven assists last night to go along with 18 rebounds. And that, to me, is a winner. And he's come from a, a situation where he wanted to win, but he didn't know how to do it. And now he's given up. He's given himself up, and he's learning how to win. He's His game has become refined. He's become mature, and he is the MVP. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. Is that your MVP? Yeah, yeah. Listen, all due respect to Joker, you know, and not just because he's had his – but Embiid is a force on both sides of the floor. And the one thing with the argument, Danny, is, and you know the game, if you are that poor on the other side of the floor, then, and you have to be taken in and taken out for offense, defense, I think that's case and point match for Embiid because Embiid's a true rim protector. You know, one of the things that greats in the NBA have done, and I'm talking about the greats, like I'm talking about Jordan or Pippen or Kobe, uh, they play defense. You know what I mean? They, they, you see those guys show up on the all-defensive team. You know what I mean? The greats, the, 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 the true, not the kind of guys, not the, not the guys that are, you know, role players and they're great defensive players. I'm talking about the legendary players in the NBA show up on the all-defensive team. Kobe was one, another one. I mean, you're, you're spot on, and you got to play both ways. Listen, I, when I started my career, I worked in your town, the AP in Chicago, and I covered, you know, Mike during those three title runs. Um, I, I covered three of the four. And, you know, you watch him play defense, and it's ridiculous. He he took as much pride defensively as he did offensively. And that and Embiid reminds me of that because Embiid is the big that can protect the rim, and they want to, everybody wants to just kind of space him out, right? 
and he rotates back toward the basket to be able to protect the rim. And I think that's the biggest thing, Danny, when it comes to Joel Embiid that's overlooked is his prowess to block shots, grab rebounds, and then start a break. And then, you know, last night twice he went coast to coast, and imagine a 72 <laughs> at least coast to coast finishing at the rim. Uh, I got one more Philly thing, but before I get to it, your show's coming up at 10 o'clock. How are you going to handle the Draymond Green ejection? Oh, that's Draymond. He, that's, how many times are you going to do that? How many times are you going to stop? All right? Get out, Draymond. Get out. Keep shot artist. You know, I can't decide if he's the most fun, entertaining player in the NBA or the dumbest Or the NBA most reviled, despicable. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. A lot of people learned the name Josh Harris, the owner of the Sixers, now that he's going to apparently become the owner of the Commanders. He also owns the Devils. Uh, what kind of guy is Josh Harris? What kind of deal is this, do you think, uh, for the people that are lifelong Redskin fans, or, uh, excuse me, Commander fans? Yeah, I got to tell you, I, I, I'm t- Dan, if I were a Commanders fan, I would feel liberated. I mean, you saw what a train wreck that Dan Snyder was. And I'll tell you that I've known Josh really well uh, as the owner of the Sixers. I know his, his, um, his, he grew up in Chevy Chase, Maryland. His grandparents were from Philadelphia. So that's kind of where the, the whole thing starts. He spent all the money, when it comes to the Sixers, and trying to win. First of all, he was talked into the process. He buys the team, and they say the best thing to go about is to just tank and have empty seats. So he invested in the process, and that's a guy who wants to win, right? He's not trying. He realizes that I'm going to take a huge loss by doing this. He does it because he wants to win. He has the highest-paid coaching staff in the NBA. He's constantly in the luxury tax, and to me – that's the kind of owner I want if I'm a Washington Commanders fan because he's a guy that gives you the economic resources and he stays out of the way of his NBA people and his NFL people. And last thing before I let you go, you mentioned the process a few times. Is this is this the year, like, is this team, I know Maxie's young and Beeb's not old, Tobias Harris getting a little bit older, that kind of thing. Is this the year that people are pointing to that the process pays off, that we finally get a championship? Or, or, or do people see this? You know how the NBA is. You kind of got to go go through steps. You know, Michael had to go through Isaiah, that kind of thing. Where, where is this process right now? Is this the year? Yeah, it better be. I mean, people have, have lost, I think, a lot of patience. You know, remember, it's five years since the process. This is the sixth iteration of the Sixers teams. And, you know, you went from Jimmy Butler and a real chance to win. Then you go to the bully ball team with Al Horford. That was a disaster. And then you go last year with Harden after Simmons just kind of tanked you. So this is the year. And a lot of fans are, are frustrated. Like they have to get at least out of the second round, but yeah, it's time to win. And remember that it's been since 1983, since the Sixers won a title, a long, long time since Moses Malone and Faux Five Faux. All right. They got to get a payoff from this thing. 
Uh, biggest event, though, I will say this weekend, and I will be there, is 50 miles away. I'll be at Princeton. My stepdaughter plays softball at Harvard. Princeton, Harvard for first place in the Ivy League softball. That's the biggest thing in the Philly area, big boy. <laughs> Listen, my son, I have a, a, a son in seventh grade, and I've been telling him he plays football, and I've been telling him, dude, you're going to play at Princeton, all right? You're going to play at Princeton football is our goal. <laughs> so you keep your grades up, and you got to play football. <laughs> yeah. Good luck to your yeah, daughter. Yeah, I mean, I'm too – yeah, I'm too dumb, right? I mean, Indiana, they just gave us degrees. They handed them out. Like, what do you want? Well, I'll take this one, you know. Those guys actually study. Anthony, great, man. Have a great show today. I want to have you back. Please, please come back. Anytime, my brother. Great stuff, pal. Good to see you, Danny. Oh, uh, that's uh, Yes, sir. That is Anthony Gargano. Anthony L. Gargano on Twitter. Give him a follow. Uh, 97.5 The Fanatic, where sports talk is real. Sports talk is life or death. And, of course, you can hear him on Fox Sports Radio as well. But, hey, serious member, we all forget, but there was a time uh, within the last 10 years where people would line up the Sixers lineup against, like, Duke's lineup and say, okay, who would win? <laughs> like, you're like, shut up. This is an NBA team. Uh, NBA team's going to win. Don't even give me that. It used to drive me nuts. But the point is, that's how bad the Sixers were for a number of years. And they called it the process. They said, hey, look, we got a tank to get better. You know, they got Embiid. Let's be honest. They got Embiid. They ended up getting Maxie. And Maxie's been really good. And you can look at these uh, Kentucky players. I mean, you can say whatever you want about Cal, and sometimes when you have great performances by your players in the NBA, it jumps back to, well, how could you not win with them in college? Here in Indiana, had two first five picks, Cody Zeller, Victor Oladipo. That team got to number one in the country, but it got beat by Syracuse in the Sweet 16. Didn't make the Elite Eight, and a lot of people point to that particular season or that particular disappointment as a downfall of Tom Crean's regime at Indiana. Well, you look at Calipari, and last night, this morning, I'm like, this is unbelievable how these Kentucky kids are playing. Well, you know what Kentucky fans are saying, yeah, well, it didn't help us. Because you got to remember, in Kentucky, there is no NBA team. Used to be an ABA team, but there's no NBA team. So no one's sitting there celebrating NBA success like if a Kentucky kid came over and played, let's say Louisville had an NBA team, it'd be like, this is great, but nobody cares. They're all saying, we gave Cal $9 million a year. We gave him a lifetime contract. Look at the players that have been wasted. That's what I've heard. I don't know what you want to, however you want to do it, is what I would say. However you want to do it. You want to do it that way? Great. You want to do it the way I'm doing it? Like, man, these Kentucky kids are showing out. Hey, however, but I got to tell you, it was pretty daggone good again Last night, Malik Monk, 18. I mean, he made a move that I saw this morning on SportsCenter. I must have missed it when I was watching the game last night. I must have had my head in the phone. But Malik Monk made a move. God dang. Hitting step back three, crossing. It looked like Isaiah. And De'Aaron Fox has been better than anybody in the playoffs. That's Sacramento. And then we just talked about Tyrese Maxey. There's Fox right there. He is just death. I remember being on the set telling Mike Greenberg that's the best pick in the draft whatever year he came out. And I may be wrong. Somebody may have been better. Maybe it was Jason Tatum. I don't know. But that dude is unfreaking believable.
And then you got Tyrese Maxey, who all he does is drop 33. Now, it's not like Tyrese Maxey doesn't have the best player maybe in the NBA in Joel Embiid, and he just drops 33 in a playoff game. Pretty good night for Kentucky. And here's the problem you have if you're Brooklyn. Your best player is Cam Johnson, or at least your best player last night. And Cam Johnson hadn't been the best player on any team he's been on, including North Carolina. But right now he is, and Mikael Bridges has to get going. They just don't have enough. And here's how you know. Here's how you know a team doesn't have enough. First half, Brooklyn should have been up more. They were not. They were up two. And you go and you look at uh, the betting line, and it's a big spread still. Still, you know, it's like four or five, still for the Sixers. That's how you know. And then they cover it easy. So moving forward, I got to tell you, I told you this before, and I'll tell you this again. That series right there with the Sixers doesn't have must-TV for me. It just doesn't. It doesn't. It's a good series. Uh, yay, Ra, Go fight, win. <sighs> the Warriors and Sacramento – is set your alarm clock. It, 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 it sets your alarm clock. Just is. Uh, who signed Dan's shirt? Mark Gray signed it and sent it to me. This is a Gracie shirt. You guys all say I'd never wear another man on my back. Well, what are you going to do? I'm not homophobic. I don't care. Mark Grace signed it. I got it in the mail from Grace and a friend of his. Uh, they knew that I was a Cub fan, Grace fan, because he didn't wear batting gloves. So I decided, I don't know why, but I'm celebrating the fact that today, or yesterday actually, or maybe it was Sunday, hell, I don't know, the Cubs got a series against the Dodgers. First time they won a series in L.A. since 2014. Now remember, they won the series to go to the World Series, baby, in 2016, it was me, my brother, my sister, my brother-in-law, Sage Steele, and the manager. What's the manager's name of the uh, of the Red Sox? Cora? Is it Joey Cora, Alex Cora, whatever Cora it is? We were in the stands at Wrigley hugging Alex Cora. And we were hugging as uh, Hendricks, Kyle Hendricks, pitched a gem. Anyway, that's it. Uh, my dad and I saw two trans in the subway on the way to watch the White Sox in Chicago. I told him, Dad, we aren't in Washington, Indiana anymore. You're damn right. Van Pasterman. Van Pasterman, for those of you that don't know, is the social conscience of our YouTube chat. He's kind of the high priest. El Presidente Sean Black is kind of the president. Well, he's not kind of the president. He's named the president of the chat. And, of course, Van Pasterman is, is, ladies and gentlemen, is the high priest of the YouTube chat. Get to the YouTube chat. We're trying to get about 10,000 every day. We want to build up the YouTube because, well, frankly, YouTube is where you can see us and you get all this handsome. All right. When we come back, I got a lot to get to. Hey, look, people are mad at Stephen A. Smith over Clay Travis. What an odd pair, but me likey. What else we got here? We're going to talk more about Jalen Hurts. Also, I love this idea. This is, I'm going to read this right, a reverse boycott. A Major League Baseball reverse boycott. And it's aimed at the players. Also, first thing when we come back, Dylan, a dumbass Major League Baseball player tried to shame United Airlines, and it went very badly. We'll explain when we come back.
Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Welcome back. Just chatting with the YouTube chat a little bit. Rick Bungle's on there. He tries to give me a hard time. We have the DEI office of the YouTube chat. We got to make sure that we cover our backside with the DEI, of course. Hey, what is going on in this world? At what point did we say, well, you know what? Personal responsibility is out the window. Let's just shame. There's a baseball player named Anthony Bass. Anthony Bass has a couple of very, very cute daughters. They're little. They're little girls. Very cute. And there's a cute picture of his daughters sitting in a chair in first class on a flight. It's a cute picture, except it all went south. When Anthony Bass decided that he wanted to shame the good folks of United Airlines. Anthony Bass wanted to shame flight attendants. Why, you ask? What is this What are you? What is this you are speaking of? Well, you see it right there. The flight attendant just made my 22-week pregnant wife, traveling with a 5-year-old and a 2-year-old, get on her hands and knees to pick up the popcorn mess by my youngest daughter. Are you kidding me? No, we're not kidding you. How about your 22-year-old pregnant wife decide that she is going to make the little girls pick up their mess. How about they get on their hands and knees? How about they get themselves down there and clean up their own mess? How about they do that? Well, Anthony Bass kind of doubled down on it. Somebody said what I just said, and you know what he said? When asked who should clean it up, well, the cleaning crew that they hire. So we're just all we're just supposed to get on a flight, throw crap everywhere because well, there's a cleaning crew. Okay, if that's what Anthony Bass thinks. Now, Anthony Bass, apparently his daughter or his wife is a big shot. Anthony Bass is, uh, I don't know, his wife is Jesse James's daughter or something like that. All right, that's great. I don't care about any of them. Anthony Bass, get off your ass and clean up your own mess. 
Sidney Ray James is uh, the person. Now, now, Anthony Bass is hitting back. Anthony Bass is angry. Anthony Bass is an idiot. Trying to shame and get some lady fired because his kids are pains in the backside? Hey, man, clean up your own mess. Basically, as my buddy Kevin Custer said, we learned that in kindergarten. There's a whole list of things that we learned at in kindergarten. We learn, hey, look, if you take something, put it back. No? Yes. If you break something, tell, fix it. His wife, of course, is a TV personality and a blogger. Yeah, good. Her sister is country star Jesse James Decker. Yeah, great. She runs the blog Southern Girl City Lights. Oh, okay, great. Clean up after your damn kids. That's it. And then don't complain and try to get a, a, a flight attendant fired. Flight attendants are there for your safety, not to clean up your crap. I want to be cleaning up after kids. Well, hey, oh, hey, throw stuff everywhere. Hey, they got a cleaning crew. Go outside, throw stuff on the ground. Hey, you know, there's guys that clean the ground. That's just stupid. That's entitled. That's a big leaguer flying. That's an idiot. Anthony Bass, I got two words for you. My backside. My backside aches for you. Uh, Jacob G, D-bag multimillionaire, he should hire. Why don't you teach your kids not to throw food on the floor? Connie, we speak for real Americans here. You ain't wrong, Connie. You're not wrong at all. Apparently, the combination of Clay Travis and (laughs) Stephen A. Smith made people angry because, as you know, when you are on the liberal side of the world, you're not supposed to, even a little bit, give in to the conservative side of the world. When you are on one side, you're not supposed to give in or endorse the other side. Well, the Wokies are upset that Stephen A. gave Clay Travis a platform on his podcast that upset people. See, that's great radio. That's great TV. Coming up here at the top of the hour, there's a guy, kind of a YouTube star. I'm going to read this in a minute. And he has his top 10 all-time NBA all-around players. I got my top 10, and they're not even close. So we'll disagree. I'll be right, of course. I mean, who are you crapping? But it's good to have some disagreement. Guy says, why are you further platforming this dude? This is a little pain in the backside named Tyler Conway, who's looking for his 10 minutes. He works for the Bleacher Report. He's one of those smug little white dudes that thinks he is smarter than everybody else. Well, how dare you platform the guy with the biggest radio show in the country? who appears nightly on the biggest cable shows in the country, and who runs one of the biggest sports sites on the internet. (laughs) It's a pretty good argument. I don't think he needs a platform, Clay Travis. I get criticized all the time. You just regurgitate what Daddy Clay says. No, they hired me because I have my own opinions, but I got to tell you, I ain't mad at working for somebody that is has the biggest radio show in the country, appears nightly on the biggest networks, and we are one of the biggest sports sites, if not getting to be the biggest, on the internet. Won't someone please think of the children? Tyler is big triggered, guys. Tyler is big triggered. Because you're not supposed to hear the other side anymore, right? What you're supposed to hear is your side. Just your side. People ask me all the time, 
All right. You've talked about, in my world, if gas prices went back, stock market went up, and we didn't hear inflation, would you say Biden's a good president? And my answer is yes. 100%. I am basically the agnostic of political parties. I'm neither. I just simply look, make my own decisions, and that's what we do here. And we welcome debate, as you're going to see in about 10 or 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Of course you should. Of course. And then, of course, this guy went on and on and on, said he got offered a job at OutKick. Well, nobody gets offered a job at OutKick unless Clay Travis knows about it. I mean, Charlie Arnold just got hired, and that's a great hire in a lot of different ways. She's outstanding. She's very smart. She's very entertaining. And like me, she's good to look at. So there you go. That's what we hire. See, it used to be they just hired blondes at Fox News. Now they just hire sexy. That's right. I said it. I meant it. Anyway, so now everybody gets mad. Good for Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A. Smith, I feel, is smarter than everybody. Stephen A. Smith has made a career, and some of it is due to he hit the right place at the right time. But Stephen A. Smith, by all accounts, I met him. I just nodded at him when I'd see him in the hall. I don't know him. But I know the girl that worked for him. She's like, yeah, he's great to work with. I know the guy that worked for him. Yeah, he's great great to work with. Everybody at ESPN one night got snowed in at the Doubletree. So I was just sitting there. I was staying there anyway, having drinks. And a couple of the producers came up. We started talking. Had a great night just talking about them working for Stephen A. Said he was great. So I always liked it. And what makes a guy better, in my opinion, is if you embrace somebody different than you. And that's what Stephen A. is doing. I'm just saying. Uh, Conway is Gaelic for nutless, according to Marby Dog. <laughs> if you want to listen to a good podcast, listen to Stephen A. and Clay. I mean, it ain't that hard. I mean, I don't know what everybody's mad about. We talked about Jalen Hurts. We talked about Jalen Hurts reaching an agreement. Jalen Hurts, 179.304 million guaranteed. He got, a, I think I'm going to read this right, 110.5 million at signing. So when he signs this contract, I just want you to think about this, all you guys on the YouTube chat. When he signs this contract, they're going to give him 110 million. 110, well, you know there's taxes. Yes, there is. <laughs> yes, there's taxes. But they're going to give him 110 million dollars. Uh 110 million at signing to keep getting a car crash. Uh, God forbid the next day you get to keep it. I was on a plane the other day and I sat down. It was a Southwest flight, sat down next to a nice couple guy. He says, Hey coach, how you doing? I said, I'm good. What happened to you? He said his leg was wrapped up. He said, Hey, I got to tell you this morning, walking to breakfast, I, I walked down a stair, planted my foot, tore my Achilles. And he's in a wrap, and now he's got to go home, and he's got to have an orthopedic surgeon fix his Achilles, and I'm sitting there looking at him going, oh, man, I'm so sorry. Well, that happens to Jalen Hurts. He keeps his $110 million. What a country. God bless you. And I don't want to hear about the NFL being racist. Four of the top five players in terms of payment in the NFL are black. So just stop with all that crap. Uh, Dan, in the world of hypothetical, would you rather have Jalen or Lamar on the Colts? Wow, is that a good question. Me, personally, Lamar. Although I got to tell you, 
Anthony Gargano, who was just on, and I were talking about Jalen Hurts and his character, and man, is that right. I'm not saying anything about the character of Lamar Jackson. I am saying about the intelligence in having your mother and you run your financial campaign. I'm not sure it's smart. I'm not sure it's dumb. I don't know. But I know this. Nobody's ever questioned, ever, the character of Jalen Hurts going back to when he was the starting quarterback as a true freshman for the first time in 32 years at Alabama when he did get benched as a senior and stood on the sidelines of the national championship game cheering on to a tongue of Iowa. Then he did transfer to Oklahoma where he was great, got drafted. Next thing you know, here he is. A lot of character right there. You know what he has? A dad. That's right, a father. A dad that was a coach, a dad that guided him, a dad that protected him, a dad that that held him accountable, a dad that did the right thing. God, I wish dads would get more involved. But who would I rather have? I think I'd rather have Lamar Jackson. Uh, Jalen Hurts got you to the Super Bowl. Jalen Hurts will probably win a Super Bowl. I think the same with Lamar Jackson. I'm not really sure why, but man, oh man, is that a great, 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 great question. A lot of people think the Colts need a lot more than just a quarterback. Marby Dog does, and I'm not disagreeing. But damn, at some point, at some point, the people you draft have to become good players, do they not? I think they do. All right, what's next on the agenda? This is awesome. I want you to listen to this. Listen to this. The Oakland Athletic fans are planning a reverse boycott night where they pack the Oakland Coliseum to prove that it's not the problem of the fans, that it's not the fans' problem. June 13th, against the Tampa Bay Rays, who, by the way, started out 13-0, 640 Oakland Coliseum. The idea is to pack the collie on a random weeknight, showing the country that us fans are not the problem. That I like. The problem certainly isn't the fans. The problem is always going to be the ball club. Now, there is another. Remember about a year ago, We showed you the Oakland Coliseum press box, and up in the corner was a possum coming out of the woodwork, a possum coming out of the ceiling. Look at the hammers on this guy. Anyway, it's happening again. It was a big story yesterday. There are a lot of problems with the Oakland Athletics. The fans ain't it. I wouldn't come out. It's a terrible stadium. Next time you see a game at the Oakland Coliseum, think about this. The foul line goes way back. Like at Wrigley Field, the dugouts and the fans down the first base and third base lines are close. That helps the batters. Doesn't help the pitchers. Helps the batters. Fans, though, have to sit way back. Way back. That's not good. It's a terrible place to watch a game. I have been there. It's awful. It's old. You don't know if something's going to bite you on the heels. They got to get out of there. They got to go to Vegas. Word on the street is Vegas is building a dome. You got to have a dome if you're going to be in Vegas. Everything else is going to Vegas, so you might as well just go to Vegas. But man, oh man, Oakland is going to have a reverse boycott. I love this idea. Please do it. Please pack it. And maybe, and and this is the exact same thing that the Oakland Athletics management and ownership is saying, please pack it, please enjoy it, please play well, and please come back. That's it. Just come back. We want you back. 
Come back, Stella! Stella! Come back! Animal rights groups are losing their minds, as basically everybody in this country is losing their mind. Animal rights groups, they went crazy at the Grand National Horse Racing event. They're mad because animals in horse racing are treated poorly. Hey, what can I tell you? What can I tell you? So they go nuts. Listen to this. Um, 118 people have been arrested. 118. Hey, look, I don't mind you protesting. I don't. Just don't do it while I'm there. Like if I'm at Keeneland or I'm at Churchill or I'm at Horseshoe, Indianapolis, don't protest when I'm there. Here's the deal. I was at the Harvard-Yale game a few years ago at Yale Stadium. Now, if you know anything about Yale Stadium, it's about 100,000. It's huge. It's a big circular concrete monument. And you know what? I'm there. I'm minding my own business. Lee and I, we met some people. We were tailgating outside. We came into the game. We don't know anybody playing. So frankly, it's kind of boring. Stepdaughter Tegan's like, yeah, I think I'll go home with you guys. Like, all right, we'll stop in New Haven, grab a couple of pizzas. All right. All of a sudden, there's a protest. All of a sudden, the students take over the field. They are on the 50-yard line. They're sitting there on a sit-in. You know what happens with a sit-in? You know what happens with a protest? It takes forever. You got to get the guys off the field, the girls off the field. You got to get the teams ready. You got to do all this crap. And next thing you know, you're sitting there and you've got 30 minutes of your life. You're never getting back. And the reason you're not getting it back well, is frankly, nothing happens with the protests. Now, the Bud Light protests, we got some stuff that's happened. But nothing happens with these protests. Nobody's going to change their industry because a bunch of Antifa kids without hoods are sitting there yelling and screaming and being angry. Nobody cares. Good for you. You got a story. You can say you protested, but you're causing me, you're causing me commotion. You're causing me pain. You're causing me time. I don't need time. Let's make damn sure that when we protest, you just simply do it when I'm not there. All right? The Grand Nationals. Demonstration by animals rising delays the start of the famous race by a quarter of an hour. There were 70,000 fans at Antry. And this group, which has pledged to rise up, take direct action to see an end to animal suffering in all forms, appeared to come close to succeeding with two of their members in pink T-shirts being bundled away as they attempted to use glue and locking devices to attach themselves to fences. 118 people were arrested for trying to delay the race for public order offenses beforehand. All right. You know, I think what you ought to do, you ought to chain yourself to the fence and then let the horses go over and take a dump around you. That's solid. Hey, look, if you're going to chain yourself to the fence, then let the horses take a dump around you. I don't know what to tell you. I was watching Ted Lasso, uh, or put those little sheep. Ted Lasso the other day when I was watching on the plane, little sheep droppings smell really bad. Just do that. But for God's sake, find out my schedule. I'm going to be at Princeton-Harvard this weekend. Softball. 
Don't protest during the Princeton-Harvard game. Protest during the lacrosse game. Protest during some other game. I don't want to sit around and watch. I had to do it one time. Hey, Dan, do they know that glue is made from horses? No, I don't think they do. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't know. No, they should. I mean, what are we doing? But anyway, so that's the deal. All right. Let's show as we go to break and we get ready for a debate between who is your top 10 all time. And I'm going to put a caveat in it. I use the top 10 players in the NBA that I have seen. Like you can't have any top 10 NBA list that doesn't include Wilt Chamberlain. I mean, Wilt Chamberlain, they said he didn't pass. He went out and led the league in assists. 28, uh, what do you have? It was like 50 or and 25, look, his numbers are so stupid that every single thing that you do with a top 10 all-around list, you've got to include Wilt Chamberlain. I think anybody would agree with that. I do. So, having said that, I'm taking Wilt off. I never saw Oscar except when he was kind of older. I did see Kareem, so Kareem's going to be on mine. But you know what I'm saying? Somebody says, well, none of these players are as good as Elgin Baylor. Well, that may be true, but I didn't see Elgin Baylor. Well, I don't care what you say. None of these guys could ever play to the level of the Big O. And maybe so, but I don't know the Big O. I know the Big O. I've met the Big O, but I didn't see the Big O. So I'm talking about guys, and I will include in that list Kareem Abdul-Jabbar because I think he's the second greatest player that I ever saw. In fact, it would be 1A and 1B, Michael Jordan and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar that I have seen. But this is all around NBA player. This is all around who is it going to be? Who do you like? We'll find out. We're going to talk to a guy that has more followers on YouTube than people have since, which means he's entertaining. His name, and I hope I get this right, is Andrew Fenchel. He is on YouTube. Go look him up. We got a big YouTube crowd today. Go look him up. Here is the Mount Rushmore of glues. Is this true? Elmer's Gorilla, D-A-B, Loctite. Is that it? Is that it? I don't know. Dan, people are saying get rid of the charge. My thoughts. No, don't get rid of the charge. Charge is a gutsy defensive play. I like the charge. I'll always like the charge. Never get rid of the charge. I don't, I don't dislike the chart. Get rid, get rid of other things. Get rid of traveling. Like, get rid of traveling. I mean, might as well not even have traveling. Might as well just let people get the basketball, drive to the basket, and do whatever you want to do. Get rid of that, but not the charge. Let's tweet it from OutKick. Go to OutKick if you want to find us on Twitter. We'll be right back. We're talking greatest players all around in NBA history. All right. Be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this.
You know, one of the things that you get into when you do interview other people is you get into some interesting stuff. You know, Clay Travis and ESPN Stephen A. Smith, Clay was on his podcast, and Clay, they were talking about woke culture. And this is interesting because Clay rightfully said, always stand up to woke culture. I didn't do it once, and I'm mad at myself. I had a chance, but I was trying to see where ESPN was, trying to acquiesce to ESPN a few years ago when a woman got mad at me for not swimming in a pool with her. And I kind of said, screw it, I'm going to delete my account, see what happens. Next thing you know, uh, ESPN and I had a chat, and I told him, you can kiss my backside uh, because I didn't do anything wrong. And they, they agreed, and ultimately, when Clay made the offer to come here, it was a no-brainer for me. But the truth of the matter is, Stephen A. Smith then said something interesting yesterday, and I want you to think about this for just a second. He said, hey, look, uh, as someone with a platform, you do have an obligation. You do have a responsibility. And he's probably right, particularly when you have a responsibility or an obligation as big as what those guys have. When you look at Clay Travis and he's got a million followers or Stephen A. Smith with multi-million followers, when they support something, it's supported. Like whenever Clay Travis retweets our show, the numbers go up exponentially just the way it is. So you absolutely have a responsibility. There is no question about that. None. Zero. Zip. But that's why you should have debate. My wife actually watched Bernie Sanders one time, and this seems odd, right? Being interviewed by Joe Rogan. And she listened to it. And she came away saying, you know what? Bernie Sanders and his ideas, when really listened to, aren't as insane as people make them out to be. It's just not. Now, who knows? But when you have debate among different sides, and it's civil debate, it's logical debate, it's just not tearing somebody down or going for the kill shot, interesting things come out. So kudos to both Clay and kudos to Stephen A. Smith. Let's get into the NBA playoffs. Is there any team less interesting than the Atlanta Hawks? And I'm not talking about now. I'm talking about like every single year. Now, going back 100 years ago, Dominique Wilkins was dunking on everybody. And the Hawks were a little bit interesting. But I got to ask, Trey Young is interesting, but Trey Young is not playing great. Trey Young is setting records that you really don't want to set. He can't win a playoff game. He can't make a three in the playoffs. He's been really kind of abysmal and hurting his team. But he's the only guy you recognize. Here's, I'm going to give you the list of guys on their team. D. Murray. Tell me his first name. I'm going to the YouTube chat. Tell me his first name. I'll hang up and listen. Trey Young. Clint Capella. The kid, uh, DeAndre Hunter, the kid from Virginia, who's a nice college player, and then John Collins. Then they've got a bunch of guys, Sadiq Bay. I don't know. They got nobody that is interesting other than Trey Young. And maybe it says how interesting and good Trey Young is. And they're playing against a Boston Celtics team that's loaded. I mean, this team is absolutely loaded. Now, the key to the Boston Celtics is Marcus Smart going to act like an idiot. If Marcus Smart is going to act like an idiot, that's going to hurt their team. 
They don't have the same age and ass on them that Golden State does. But I want you to think about this. You can make the argument that Jason Tatum is the best player in the NBA. You can make the argument he's not. But you can make the argument if you wanted one guy on your team, Jason Tatum at six foot nine, shoot it, run it, dribble it, you name it, defend it, would be a guy that you would want. You can make that argument. Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown's a guy that, hey, look, everybody would want. Jalen Brown does absolutely everything. The dude had 29 the other night in the opener against Atlanta, and he did it easy. Took 23 shots. See, here's the deal. I want you to watch this in in professional basketball. Professional basketball understands one very simple thing. It is not a democracy. It isn't. No, it's a dictatorship. Basketball is a dictatorship. The coach has to be the dictator, and he says, Tatum, Brown, you get all the shots. If you can't get Brown a shot, then you better screen to get Brown open or rebound to get us the basketball or defend. But 23 shots for Brown, 23 shots for Tatum the other night. That's how you play basketball in the NBA. Some slap that is third string that has a good game a month ago isn't coming into the game looking to get a scholarship here or looking to get a contract here. Or looking to move teams here. No, 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 no. No. We're trying to win. And that's what has to happen. And that's what does happen with the Celtics. Who gets the shots? The good players. Who gets his role? Right corner. Al Horford. Shooting his goofy looking shot that always goes in. Who goes and makes plays and disrupts? Marcus Smart. Who comes off the bench? It's all there. Malcolm Brogdon, the big Williams kid, Robert Williams III, who's crazy. He's nuts. He's insane. Love him. I show, I, I did a Texas A&M game when Robert Williams was there. It's like he didn't show up. He's like not at the shooter. I'm like, where's Robert Williams? Ah, he'll be here for the game. I'm like, all right, as long as he's here for the game. But that's what you get. And now he's an adult. So now that he's an adult, he's a pretty good player. I don't know. DeJounte Williams is a 20-point-per-game score. He's a great player then. Yeah, make sure you subscribe, like, and ring the bell. Yeah, he's a great player. I'm just telling you, when I look at the Celtics, I say, hey, let's go. When I look at the Hawks, DeJounte Williams is your second-leading scorer. That's all. Or DeJounte Murray. That's all you need to know. Somebody tell me where he went to college. Where did he go to college? Dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. Washington did not know that. I thought I knew every guy going to every school. But when you watch the game tonight, or if you watch the game tonight, understand that the scores for the Celtics are going to score. Now, somebody's going to have to step up, John Collins, maybe, whatever. But I'm just telling you, somebody's going to have to step up, somebody's going to have to play, and somebody's going to have to play well. The New York Knicks are at Cleveland. How stupid are you if you're Mark Cuban? Now, let me ask you a question. You got a great player in Jalen Brunson who seems to play well with Luka Doncic. Now, here's the deal. Nobody knows the dynamic inside of an NFL or an NBA roster. Nobody. Why? Because NBA players are nuts. They're insane. They got more money than they got sense. 
And they all got to be the star because being a star in the NBA matters. It does. Why does it matter? Because being a star in the NBA means you get the dream. You get the shoe. It's all about getting the shoe. I got my own line of shoes. The Paul George shoe. When Paul George got a shoe here in Indy, you'd have thought it was cause for celebration. He had a shoe release party. People that wore the shoe said it was the most uncomfortable shoe they'd ever worn, but that didn't matter. Paul George got a shoe. So Luka Doncic's got his thing. Jalen Brunson's got his thing. They should have been able to work together, and now the Mavs were stupid enough to let him go, and you see him right here, and all he does is lead teams to victories. That's it. Hey, what's Jalen Brunson do? First thing would be, who's Jalen Brunson? Come on, the kid from Villanova. Oh, he wins. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's Jalen Brunson. That's what he does. So now he's over with the Knicks. Now he's with that crazy man, Julius Randle, who's just good enough crazy that good things happen. They drafted Mitchell Robinson, a big kid who played like 10 minutes at Western Kentucky, and he blocks all the shots. Quentin Grimes is a solid dude, and the Knicks are interesting because they play defense and they look like the Knicks. What does that mean, look like the Knicks? I'm going back to the 70s with the Busher and Frazier and Monroe and Willis Reed. Are you kidding me? They were tough. They were aggressive. They were nasty. In the 80s, when it was Reggie Miller against the Knicks, Grandmama, Patrick Ewing, well, that would have been the 90s, Patrick Ewing and that all the way through the 90s, it was always a fist fight. Lil Van Gundy's grabbing on Alonzo Mourning's heels. He's nipping at the heels. He's going nuts. He's out of his mind. And next thing you know, the Knicks, because of the way they played under Pat Riley and Jeff Van Gundy, basketball had to change. We had to open it up. We had to get freedom of movement. Well, now the Knicks look like the Knicks should look. See the big white dude in the back? His name is like Hartenstein. The only Hartenstein that I know is Mike Hartenstein. Here's what Mike Hartenstein did. He was a Chicago Bears defensive end right before the Chicago Bears got really good. He was from Penn State. My brother and I and a couple friends get up one Sunday morning and say, let's go to the Bears game. We each give my brother like 20 bucks. He comes back. We got the best seats in the house. Mike Hartenstein, to this day, if you ask my brother, blew out of his nose the biggest loogie I've ever seen. I mean, this was brain here. This was not a loogie. This was not a human being loogie. A football came out of Mike Hartenstein's brain. It came out of his head, like the back of his head exploded and to this day, whenever me or my brother or any of our friends that were there hock a big old loogie, we go, that's a Hartenstein. That's Mike Hartenstein. Well, that guy Hartenstein, I don't know where he played in college. I guess he didn't. I don't know. He must be a foreign kid. Good for him. But he's a big badass by the rim. So anyway, the Knicks are interesting. The Knicks, as a rule, aren't interesting. They've never been interesting other than they want to fight. And they're playing against Cleveland. Now, what's ever been interesting in Cleveland other than other than their failures as a football team, LeBron James winning a championship, and Jim Tomey somehow hitting 700 million home runs and never being accused of steroids? You tell me. I'll give you the answer. Darius Garland, who, by the way, used to come to my basketball camp at Andrean High School when he was a kid, and Donovan Mitchell, who I watched for three straight games when he was at Louisville, and I thought, ah, oh, he's a nice player. When Donovan Mitchell got drafted like 13th or 15th in the NFL, NBA, I said, what are you doing? I, I watched him in the Bahamas three games. He was all right. Maybe averaged 12 or 13. 
Next thing you know, boom. Great dude, too. Darius Garland, great dude. His dad, Winston, fantastic player. A little after me at Gary Roosevelt High School. My ne- my, not my nemesis, we used to whoop their ass. Every year we whooped their ass in a huge game to open the season and then in the state tournament. And, and one year I got a tire iron thrown at me because my little white ass, who scored about 50 against them, uh, got mouthy to a big crowd. You, you always said when you played Gary Roosevelt or any Gary team, we're going to win the game and the fight. That was kind of our motto. Used to be when our high school went there to play, it was we win the game but lose the fight. We decided we were going to win the fight. Never really had to fight, but I did have a tire iron thrown at me. It's a story I've told for years. But anyway, uh, you got this group here. It's a fun series to watch. Give it a watch. I know a lot of you guys are like, well, I don't watch the NBA. Free your mind and the rest will follow. That's it. It's a great song by Invoke. Very hot women, too. Yeah. DD likes the mocha. But anyway, that's what Sage Steele said about me one time. I took it as a compliment. Too much NBA, I'm out. No, I don't know what to tell you. There's never too much NBA this time of year. I'm giving you good stuff. I'm entertaining the hell out of you. I'm throwing you interesting stuff right in the middle of it. So if you live in Cleveland, have yourself a night tonight. Go get yourself one of those sandwiches. I don't know if it's a panini. I don't know what it is. But I know this. I know this. These games tonight are going to be pretty good. No, they're going to be really, really, really good. And, of course, tonight, well, no, it's Wednesday, actually. The Lakers are now favored over the John Morant list. I think about this. I say this all the time. Karma matters. Karma matters. Be nice to people. Karma matters. Don't flash a gun in a club, think you got away with going to like a three-day rehab because karma will get you, John Morant. And how did karma get you? Well, you know how karma got you. Karma got you by getting injured. Now you are out. There you go. All right. Jennifer, you do whatever you want. Don't be questioning Jennifer. Jennifer's single, ready to mingle, and she ain't gay, according to her on the YouTube chat. I'm just reading it, people. I'm just reading it. That's it. I'm just reading. All right, let's go to the NFL. You ready for some NFL? Here's the deal. It looks to me like the beloved Indianapolis Colts, who are not beloved unless they win. If you win, then you're beloved. If you lose, then you're ridiculed, at least in my mind. So the ridiculed Indianapolis Colts are going to, it looks like, take Will Levis if he's there. That's what it looks like. I'm going to tell you why I say that. The Colts flew down to see Will Levis. They also flew down to see Bryce Young. They also flew down to see C.J. Stroud. But I think by now most people are feeling two things are going to happen in this draft. Bryce Young is going to go as the number one pick. Second thing is somebody is going to jump the Colts for the number three pick and take Anthony Richardson. That's what, that is the general consensus of what's going around the NFL. Maybe it's Atlanta. I don't know, but somebody's going to jump the Colts and take a quarterback. And that quarterback by all accounts appears to be Anthony Richardson. Now, 
That leaves, assuming there's no moves, and if you know the Colts at all, you know any, 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 any move that the Colts make, it will be backwards in two ways. One, they will move back in the draft, and two, it will go backwards, backfire. It will set the program back, whatever it is, because if Chris Ballard and his cohorts of stupid are involved, it will go poorly. So here's what they're going to do. They're going to draft Will Levis, all things being equal right now, and it can always change, but they're going to draft Will Levis, and then they're going to do a sell job on us. See, here's what you get. When you draft Bryce Young first, you immediately get excitement. When you draft C.J. Stroud second and he goes down to Tech, you immediately get excitement. The third pick, whether it's Levis or Richardson, has to be explained. It has to be a convincing argument that your fan base is going to buy. Here's the deal with Richardson. Richardson first, you know what? Big, strong dude. You not read, have you read one single thing negative about Anthony Richardson? The dude isn't very good. The dude completed uh, 53% of his passes in the SEC, which, you know, you're going to tell me he's great. Okay, it's great. The dude just isn't very good, but he's big, he's strong, he's athletic, and, of course, the white media is always afraid now to criticize African American. I mean, it's like they can't do it anymore. I can't. He's just not very good. He was pretty good in the opener against Utah, and from that point on, he wasn't very good. Here's what you're going to hear about Levis. People are going to say, well, you understand that Levis is really good. He lost his running back. He was banged up a little bit, and his offensive line was terrible. Okay. And all you really read about Levis is somewhat negative things. Well, the pictures he's put on Instagram. Well, he shouldn't be flexing. He's me. He's me. I'm easy to criticize. 60-year-old, I was going to say 58-year-old, but that's two years ago. 60-year-old, middle-aged white dude that has opinions. In a world where the white dudes are supposed to be scared. We're supposed to be scared to criticize anything African-American, anything trans, anything homophobic. So I'm easy. If you criticize me, middle-aged white dude, who is polarizing, you get all kind of clicks. You get all kind of support on that. All right, that's Levis. That's Will Levis at the quarterback position. There's no bigger idiot in the media than Jalen Rose. None. Nobody dumber, nobody more racist, none. You ever read about Jalen Rose being criticized? No. Why? Because white dudes, media dudes are afraid. That's Anthony Richardson. It's exactly what it is. Anthony Richardson was no good at Florida. Florida's team wasn't any good. He wasn't any good. He goes to the combine, big, strong, throws the ball a million miles. Now he's really good. So if you draft Anthony Richardson, you are not going to have to, even a little bit, explain yourself. You're going to have to temper the enthusiasm. That's what you're going to have to do. Like if the Colts, let me just put our own city here. If the Colts draft Anthony Richardson, Our idiots in the media, this is how dumb our media is. I don't know about your media, but this is how dumb our media is. Our our columnist, this adulterous clown named Greg Doyle, 
called for the Colts to get Greg Roman as the head coach and Lamar Jackson as the quarterback. This shows you how he knows nothing. Two days later, Greg Roman was fired as the offensive coordinator. That's how dumb we are here in Indy. That's the level of our stupid. So what's going to happen is this. If the Colts draft Anthony Richardson, you know what they're going to have to do? The Colts are going to have to temper enthusiasm. They are. Oh, we got the greatest. Oh, we got the next. Oh, we got this. This is how dumb we are here in Indy. If the Colts would get Richardson, they would have to temper enthusiasm. If the Colts would get Lamar Jackson, they would have to explain it. That's how stupid we are here. That's how driven by morons we are here. Serious business. People don't want Lamar Jackson, former MVP, 26 years old. They want Anthony Richardson, former 53% passer in college and 21 years old. That's how dumb people are here in Indy. And I would argue that's how dumb people are across the NFL. So, you get Levis, you're going to have to Carson Wentz it. You're going to have to Matt Ryan it. And that's not just us here at Indy, that's whoever. If you take him in the top five, you're going to have to explain yourself because the media has already put this guy as a bust and they put a guy who was god-awful, Anthony Richardson, as, oh man, the ceiling is so high. Really? Why? (laughs) As Rick Venturi, my friend, 36 years in the NFL, told me, hey, Dan, you end up playing on Sunday just like you play on Saturday. And you don't really improve that much. Now, NFL fans think you do, but I would argue to you, let's take the Colts or take your team. Which guy on your team, on your team, has improved to the level that other than the media loving the guy, which guy has improved to the point where you can notice it? Let me just ask that, that you can notice it. Here in Indy, every time a kid named Quiddy Pay, who's going into his third year, gets a sack, and I think he got like four or five last year as a first-round pick in his second year, I got all kind of fans saying, see, see, told you. I'm like, okay, all right. All right, that's what we got, four or five, every time. But you can't see any improvement. And that's the point. So this guy here, Richardson, is all of a sudden going to be what, Joe Montana? He'll be a runner on third down. He'll be a guy that on SportsCenter you see highlights of. He'll be a guy that people go, oh, my God, did you see him take on the linebacker? That's the guy I want on my team. Then what you won't see is three incomplete passes later. They got to kick a field goal instead of get a touchdown. They lose by six. I'm telling you. So true. So anyway, that's Levis. That is Levis. Levis is the guy that you're going to have to say, wait a second. Why did we pick him? And you got to explain it. For the Colts, using the Colts, Last year, it was, guess who? Matt Ryan. Oh, best leader I've seen. 
Kenny Moore Jr., who signed a contract and then stopped playing for the Colts. He was an all-pro. He signed a big deal, sat out last year and sulked and watched training camp, didn't participate in protest of his deal, and then he played like complete crap all year, said, man, when I was in Matt Ryan's presence, I was in awe. I'm like, what? So what, you were in Matt Ryan's presence and you were in awe of Matt Ryan? In awe? See, that's just stupid. And so what the Colts had to do is put those things out. That's Will Levis. You got to explain Levis. You got to temper Richardson. And the truth of the matter is, of these four quarterbacks... How many do you think are going to be uber successful? Let me take let me give you let me give you the line of success. How many of these four quarterbacks do you think will be as good as Jalen Hurts or how many of these four quarterbacks do you think will be Johnny Manziel slash Baker Mayfield? See what I did there? I can't be racist because I used the African American as the good and the white guys as the bad. I'm very very conscious of this because I know how shows go. I'm just saying, how many of those four are going to be Johnny Manziel slash Baker Mayfield? Manziel, awful. Baker, journeyman. So I'm putting them over here. Okay? I'm not saying they're both awful. No. Hey, look, Manziel, awful. Done. Baker Mayfield, good enough to get another opportunity. That's there. Over here is Jalen Hurts. Over here is Lamar Jackson. See what I did there? <laughs> you got to do it. In modern world, why do you think you always got to have, uh, you know, a Asian, a woman, an African-American, and a white dude in commercials? You got to do it. Bad over here, white guys. Good over here, African-American dudes. How many of these four quarterbacks are going to be on the good side? I don't have the answer. I don't think anybody knows. I don't think anybody truly loves these four quarterbacks. I don't. I just don't. I don't think they do. I think they like them. I think they think they're pretty good. I think they think they're all right. Uh, but I don't think that they are um, franchise builders. Now, three years from now, clip this and go back, and away we go. Dan, why are you wearing a Cubs jersey? Because the Cubs beat the freaking Dodgers for the first time in a series in L.A. since 19, oh no, that's a lie, since 2014, which doesn't sound like a long time until you realize that's nine years. Nine years hadn't won a series. And I tell you what, if this number continues to climb and we get over a couple hundred thousand people watching, I may wear this Cub jersey every day. And I'll tell you, don't at me. Um, Coming up next, there's a very smart guy, and he's going to tell you that Larry Bird is the greatest all-around player in the history of basketball. I'm going to tell you Larry Bird is not the greatest all-around player in his era. That's right. The 10 best all-around players in the history of the NBA is an interesting debate. I would argue, and I'll go back to this, that any list that doesn't have Will Chamberlain is just wrong, but I didn't put Will Chamberlain on there because I didn't see him. 
I didn't put Oscar on there because when I saw Oscar, he was the fat third wheel with Lucius Allen, a fourth wheel, actually, Bobby Dandridge, Lou Cinder, and Lucius Allen. He was just, and then when I met Oscar, I liked him. A lot of people don't like Oscar. I liked him. He's a little surly, but so what? Larry Bird, man, being from Indiana, I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't know who Larry Bird was. You got to understand where I'm from. The northwest corner of Indiana is Chicago. We're on Chicago time. We get Chicago stations. We get Chicago news. We get Chicago. I don't, I don't hear about Larry Bird from Springs Valley. Now, I don't know who Don Boosie is. I barely knew who McGinnis was because they were a little bit older than me. But I sure to hell knew who my number one player was. I sure to hell know who my number two player was all time. All right, going to be uh, a little bit of fun today. We're going to talk all-time NBA player, all-around player, P-L-A-Y-A. And I don't know his name. I'm going to say it right, I hope. I hope. Andrew Fenekel. Check him out on YouTube. You're going to like it. Dan, I believe the Dodgers are on the decline and the Padres will win that division. That may be so, but the Cubs still beat them. And I'm wearing the jersey. Keep it right here. Be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Uh, I want to preface this next segment by saying uh, one is a YouTube star, him, not me. One went to Northwestern, which means he's very smart. That's him, not me. You have to work for a degree at Northwestern. At Indiana, I just went to the academic lady and said, hey, I can't do any math. Can I get a telecom degree? They said, yeah, uh, here it is. Andrew Fenichel joins us. One, him as a YouTube star. All right. We're going, you're big on the top 10 lists, okay? I'm going to preface this. Whenever I make a top 10 list, I always say it, Andrew, I got to go by people that I saw because I believe any NBA top 10 list that doesn't include Wilt Chamberlain is garbage because Wilt Chamberlain averaged 50 and 25. They They bitched about him not passing, so he led the league in assists, but I never really saw him. Like, when I saw him, he was old, wearing a headband, stooping every actress in L.A. The Big O. When I saw the Big O, he was the fat fourth wheel to Bobby Dandridge, Lou Cinder, and Lucius Harris. I didn't see him. I mean, I saw him, but, you know, Elgin Baylor, I didn't see him. So I always preface top ten lists. You got the top ten all-around NBA players. Give them to me. What do you got? Yeah, so first of all, Dan, just appreciate you having me on the show. Uh, means a lot. But, yeah, I mean, I want to preface this segment by first just giving a definition. Because, like, all around, I mean, what does that really mean, right? You know, you tell me all around that we're talking Shane Battier here? Probably not, right? Because even though he was a great all-around player and he had a high baseline of skills, you know, Shane Battier wasn't dropping 30. 
Shane Battier wasn't leading the league in assists. So the way I kind of think about the top 10 all-around players in NBA history is lack of weakness while still having as many elite skills as possible. And so like, to like kind of contextualize that is someone like Boston Celtics, Isaiah Thomas, great player, but had a glaring weakness on defense, right? I mean, the guy couldn't stop anybody. You try to, you know, ask him to block a shot. He, he wouldn't know what to do. That being said, he's obviously a better all-around player than someone like Shane Battier because Shane Battier wasn't dropping 50 against the Wizards in round two of the you know, 2016 NBA playoffs. So you, you have to have that baseline of skill, but you know the elite skills are still important here. So that being said, I'll give you guys my top 10. And number 10, starting from the bottom, I got Kawhi Leonard. Number nine, I got Chris Paul. That might be a hot take, but we can we can get there. Uh, Tim Duncan, eight. Kevin Garnett, seven. David Robinson, the Admiral, number six. The Big O, who you just uh, mentioned as an old guy, at number five. Michael Jordan, four. Kevin Durant, three. LeBron James, two. And Larry Larry Bird, Larry Legend, an Indiana guy, just like you, Dan, at number one. See, I never thought Larry Bird was nearly as good as Magic Johnson. Like, if somebody were going to ask me, pick first pick in the draft, and do it as do it this way, all-around player, I'm like, it's not even close. Magic Johnson, not even close. I would never put Chris Paul over Isaiah Thomas in anything, like, other than hitting people in the nuts. One thing that he could do is he could hit people in the balls. But I'll tell you this, Isaiah beat Magic, he beat Bird, he beat uh, Jordan. And I got to also tell you, I don't know how you don't have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar somewhere in there. You got to have Kareem in there. He's the one old guy that I have in there that I've seen. And where's Kobe? So Kareem couldn't shoot. Kareem, I mean, obviously he played half his career before the three-point era. He couldn't shoot threes. He couldn't pass like Chris Paul. He couldn't guard the perimeter like Chris Paul. It's about all around. Obviously, Kareem is a better player than Chris Paul. I'm not insane, right? I'm not arguing that. But when we're talking about all-around skills, how many boxes do you check on a basketball court? Yeah, Chris Paul can do more than Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Oh! Kareem Abdul-Jabbar could shoot. Could shoot very, very well. Now, there wasn't a three-point line, or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar be able to shoot. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar could pass the living hell out of it. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Chris Paul is an argument I never, ever in my life thought would come up in the same sentence. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Uh, Chris <laughs> Paul, I got two words for Chris Paul. My ass. Chris Paul couldn't beat a bad West Virginia team in college. Can't win a championship. And again, no chance you can tell me Chris Paul is even in the same league as Isaiah Thomas. Not a chance. I, I cannot be convinced of this. It isn't an Indiana thing. It's a thing where I'm like, man, if people really knew what a badass Isaiah was, and I think they do. I love IT. I mean, Zeke from Cabin Creek, like, yeah, he averaged 15 assists a year, obviously leader of the bad boys. I'm not arguing, again, that Isaiah Thomas wasn't better than Chris Paul. I mean, I, I would have Isaiah Thomas probably top 15 all time. But in terms of all-around skill, like forget accolades, forget career accomplishments. You know, it's a pickup game. Who do you want to take? Chris Paul's a better <laughs> passer. Chris Paul, Chris, Chris Paul can dribble better. Chris Paul can shoot threes better. Chris Paul's an all-defensive first-team guy. 
baseline of skill, yeah, I'm taking Chris Paul. I, I'm speechless. You're going to kick me off the show, Dan. Chill. I might. Young kids today taking Chris Paul over Isaiah Thomas makes for good TV. But it shows the insanity that's going on right now. Dribble better than Isaiah Thomas. There's never been a better dribbler of the basketball. YouTube will show you that. Dribbler of the basketball, mid-range game, get to the rim, get knocked down, get up. Why Larry Bird over Magic? Why Larry Bird over Jordan? Start with Magic Johnson. Larry Bird won three straight MVPs. Obviously, with the whole Nikola Jokic conversation going around right now, I think a lot of people know that he's the last guy to won three straight MVPs. He won those three MVPs in the same era as Magic before Magic won one. He was the better player coming into the NBA. And again, if we're talking about all-around player, all-around basketball skill, Bird's an incredible passer. Obviously, he's not Magic. Magic's the greatest passer ever. Bird's 10 times the shooter Magic Johnson was. Bird was a three-time all-defensive team selection. I mean, like, Bird had post moves. Bird was dropping 30. Magic Johnson wasn't the score Larry Bird was. So, like, both in terms of the accolades, in terms of the on-court dominance, in terms of checking every single box, no one touched Larry Bird. I mean, I can go down the list. You mentioned Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan was a 33% career three-point shooter. And a lot of a lot of that even was aided by the fact that for part of his career, they shortened the three-point line. I know you remember that, Dan. I mean, that was the year he shot like 37, 38% from three. So if they and then they pulled the three-point line back and his averages dropped back down to like, you know, very low 30s. Larry Bird's one of the five greatest shooters ever. Could do it off the catch, could do it off the dribble, coming off a screen. Didn't matter. Mid-range three-point. And then, yeah, Bird's a better passer than Jordan. I don't think anyone could argue that. Bird was averaging 30 just like Jordan. Michael Jordan's the better player because he could dominate as a like downhill attacker, as a scorer, better than Bird could. And he obviously won the six championships. But all around, in terms of zero weaknesses, I'm taking Larry Bird. It's not even close. I mean, not close between Magic Johnson and Larry Bird coming into college. Magic Johnson, as a rookie, game six, NBA Finals, which means it's against the other best team in the world, while Larry Bird is sitting in French Lick, Indiana, drinking Bud Heavies, uh, trying to stoop uh, cart girls at French Lick Golf Course while he plays 36 holes. Magic Johnson is dropping 45, 18, and 10 in game six of the NBA Finals as a rookie, I'll say it again, as a rookie, just months after kicking the living hell out of Larry Bird in the NCAA Finals, where I sat there with my father in 1979 as a 16-year-old going, oh, this ain't even close. Magic Johnson is so much better than Bird. Now, we lived in Northwest Indiana. Nobody gave a rat's ass about Larry Bird, where I'm from, and you were in uh, Northwestern, so you understand. But until Larry Bird comes into the league and in the NBA Finals, isn't sitting there as a rookie on his ass drinking butt heavy, watching his rival, Michael jo- or excuse me, Magic Johnson, score 40 points with 18 rebounds and 12 assists, I don't want to hear that Larry Bird came into the NBA better than Magic frickin' Johnson. That's without Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. That's with a second-year James Worthy and a bunch of walk-ons. Not even close coming into the NBA. Not close. And that game right there shows you 
while Larry's drinking, getting hammered, chasing cart girls, magic is getting it done. Thanking the fact that Larry can go out on the golf course, you know, probably shoot a 79, 10 beers deep, proves his case as one of the you know greatest all-around players ever. Dan, here's the <laughs> counter-argument, though. Who won Rookie of the Year? It was Larry. Larry won Absolutely. Rookie of the Year over Magic, so what's your point? My point is you come into a team with James Worthy Hall of Famer, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Hall of Famer, uh, you might not be Rookie of the Year. My point is who won the championship? Who elevated one of the all-time great franchises and one of the all-time great players that were stagnant the years before to a championship? I mean, Rookie of the Year, guys have won. Uh, Andre Dawson won MVP of Major League Baseball in 1987 on a last-place team. Rookie of the Year's come in when there's opportunity. All I know is if Magic Johnson would have crapped the bed in Game 6, there would have been an argument. But the captain was hurt. Johnson said, I'll jump center, drops 40-plus. It's no contest. And all you got to do is watch. If you watch, you know it's not even close. And in terms of Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan did whatever he needed to do. Oh, wait a second. You need to go get 10 assists? He'd go get, oh, you need me to go get 40? My bad. You need me to lock down the best player on the other team? Okay. Uh, 37% from three? Great. Not as good a shooter as Larry Bird, but in every other area, he was better. Run, jump, get the ball to the rim, get to the foul line. Both are great, don't get me wrong, and you can make the argument for Bird or Magic, but my personal opinion, here's my list. I got Steph Curry number 10. Guys that played against Steph Curry told me this one time, and I've never forgot it. You guys think Steph Curry is just this little guy that can't defend. Playing against Steph Curry every minute of an NBA game is exhausting because he'll get after you for about seven, eight minutes where he's maybe the best defender on the court. Kobe, number two. Giannis, number, or excuse me, number nine. Giannis, number eight. When I watch Giannis, I'm like, all right, wait a second here. This is freakish. Uh, Barkley, number seven, once he got skinny. Skinny Barkley, fantastic. Duncan, number six. Kareem, number five. LeBron, number four. Bird, number three. Magic, number two. And Jordan, number one. It's hard to say any of those players aren't really good. You know what I'm saying? But that's a pretty good – your list is pretty good, although flawed. My list is genius. <laughs> so, How about that? love the Barkley shout-out. Love the Barkley shout-out, actually. Well, and he got the uh... – Here's Go the ahead. deal. Here's the deal with Barkley. Here's the deal with Barkley. And people, people, you know, because Barkley's become a media star and all that kind of stuff – and I don't even, I stood next to Barkley or with Barkley a couple of times, and he's about as tall as me. He's about six foot five. He's no taller than me. And that doesn't really matter, right? You know, you are what you are and all that stuff. But his numbers were insane once he figured it out. And he played with dudes, like he played with Moses, right? He played with a bunch of guys. And Barkley did things that nobody could do, including Magic. Magic would get the ball, come down the court, and look to do all this. Barkley could do all this, but then he would take it and dunk on the world. Barkley was an unbelievable player, and he carried, really, he carried the Suns. I was a little surprised you didn't have Barkley on there because you're smart enough to go back to the era where you include Burt. But Barkley, when you talk to players that played against him, they'll tell you maybe the most talented of all of the guys. Jordan said that one time as well. Uber talented. There you go. Barkley's what people, uh, Barkley's what kids my age 
big Zion is. Right? Downhill attack. Well, it's it's physically dominant. It's funny you say that. I talked about uh, – Barkley was on my show about a year ago, and he told the story of he was fat. He was Zion, right? And Moses Malone, who is considered the toughest guy ever, like in the NBA – called him up to his penthouse to straighten him out. They were on the same team. They wanted to win a championship. And he said, Barkley, you're fat. You're, you're never going to be a player. You're going to get hurt all the time. You're fat, blah, 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 blah. Barkley listened. And according to Barkley, that meeting changed his professional life. Zion, I think you would agree, needs somebody to do that for him, and he needs to listen. You can't play a game like basketball fat. You just can't. Right. He's so talented. Zion could win MVP. I don't think anyone argues that. But like, and look, I'm no doctor. I think part of what makes Zion so great is that he's so large that you can't do anything with him. But yeah, if that's the reason why there's so much constant stress on his knees and his legs and whatever else, he's got to do something. You'd think he'd want to. You know, you, you, you are like me. I'm looking at you and we're not big boned, right? There are some guys that could be skinny and be 250. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, well, you're built like hell. I mean, I, you know, you, you, you obviously are in the gym. <laughs> you know, you're built like a madman. But there are some dudes that are just big boned. So it's not that you're going to, like, you're never going to see, like Barkley in that picture probably weighed 250. Zion can't be 300. He's got to be 250. He's got to be big because he's big, but you can't be fat. There's a big difference. You see what I'm saying? 100%. So I want to know, Dan, you said you have Tim Duncan in your top 10. Real quick, Duncan but no KG. What's the the take there? Yeah. Totally forgot about KG, if you want to know the truth. When I was looking at this, (laughs) that was omission by old age. Uh, I've said this forever. The best high school players that I ever saw when I was on the road Uh, As a guard, it was Allen Iverson. And as a big guy, it was Kevin Garnett as a junior in high school. I remember calling Randy Whitman. He was a coach with the Timberwolves. And I said, you got, I don't know what the hell you guys do or who your scouts are, but Kevin Garnett, I just saw him at the Nike camp. This kid from South Carolina is the best basketball player. He and Sean Kemp that I ever saw talent-wise in high school. I just simply forgot about Kevin Garnett, if you want to know the truth. When you said Garnett, I'm like, ah, shit, that's right. Kevin Garnett, I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> and I forgot about Barkley, so we're even, Dan. Yeah. You know, it's, it's hard to keep – you know, one of the guys that probably we're talking about Isaiah and we're talking about Chris Paul – when I was looking this up, I should have put him on, is Jason Kidd. When you look at Jason Kidd's numbers across the board as an all-around basketball player, that dude got it done rebounding, scoring, assisting, you name it. He did it, and he won a title. My problem with Kidd, because I thought about Kidd, is like he couldn't shoot early in his career. Then once he went to the Mavs and won that title in 2011, then he became a great three-point shooter. But he never kind of put it all together which is kind of why I left Jason Kidd off my list. But it's a great shout-out. I mean, king of the triple-double. So, Yeah, I put when, – when I, I recruited him too, and he could not shoot. But he was the only kid that I saw in college, uh, maybe not the only kid, that could dominate a game. Like he beat – I think it was 
who did he beat? Duke or somebody. We're watching, getting ready to scout. And he beat him without making a jump shot in college as a freshman. I'm like, damn. You know, uh, you don't see that. And then he became like Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson became a very good standstill three-point shooter like Michael Cooper did um, because he had to because the game was starting to change. But you're right about Kidd. But when you look at that guy's numbers, that guy's numbers are insane in terms of totals. You know what I mean? Assist, everything. I'm glad you didn't put Russell Westbrook on your list. And I look, I, I hate to drag a man when he's down. Obviously, Russ has struggled a little bit, but even prime Russ, you, you look at his basketball reference page and you're like, in 20 years, everyone's going to think, of course, this guy's top 20 or top 10 all-around player ever. But then you see the shooting, couldn't shoot. The off-ball defense gets lost every five possessions. There's a reason his teams have never won. So I'm glad you left Russ off your list because he's kind of in the same vein as a Jason Kidd. You know, here's why I left him off my list. Um, ESPN a few years ago did this crossover thing, and Jeff Van Gundy, myself, and I might have been Ryan Rucco, did an NBA game, and it was the Knicks at uh, Oklahoma City with Russell Westbrook. And Van Gundy's telling me how great Russell Westbrook is. And, I, you know, I know Russell Westbrook. I remember him in college. I, you know, I remember him in high school. I don't care. And I'm watching Westbrook, and I thought he was a statistical fraud. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not sure exactly what I meant. Everybody, he never was in the right position defensively. He went for a steal every single time. He, he ran around kind of like a crazy person, you know, and I, I'm just like, yeah, there are some guys that you – he was just a statistical fraud. I, I, and I'm not even exactly sure if I can define that for you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, look, shout out to Russ. I mean, you, everyone watched game one of that Suns Clippers series. He had the play of the game when he stripped Booker and threw it off. So, like, Russ has actually transformed himself a little bit over the last half of this season into a better all-around player. But, yeah, prime Russ, I mean, he's getting lost on defense. He's, he's missing shots. Uh, a lot of his rebounds were uncontested. Like Steven Adams would just clear out the lane and just give Russ these defensive rebounds to lead the break. So statistical anomaly, yeah, or fraud. I like that. I think that's, I think that's fitting. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it, it's, just, it's just one of those deals where I'm like, nah, nah, I don't know. Nah. And, and um, he never did what great players do in the NBA. I've always said this. Great play- Larry Bird was a horrible defender. And then figured out, I got to be a good defender. So he worked on his body. He'll tell you this. And, and he, he became a good, really good defender. Great help side defender. Uh, we mentioned Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson learned to shoot step-up threes. Michael Jordan developed the post game, that kind of thing. Russell Westbrook, he can't shoot. He's never been able to shoot. And he's never developed at least one shot. You know what I'm saying? Like one, I can, I, I'm dangerous here. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, it's a great point. If you think about it, almost every great player ever developed something. Will Chamberlain, as much as I hate on him, yeah, he, he learned how to pass and he figured it out and he took a step back on scoring. LeBron James developed the three-point shot. You said Jordan with the post-fade. Like, all these guys developed something. Has Russ? I don't know. That's Probably what I'm not. saying. That's what I'm saying. Are you are you a legitimate guy? Kobe Bryant, they talk about, you know, he had to get to this spot. He worked on getting to that spot. 
Hey, hey, where can people find you, my man? You're getting a lot of reaction. A lot of it bad because they're, they're, they're down on your Isaiah Thomas take here, but that's all right. That's, you know what? You got your take and you stood by it and you're informed. Where can people find you? Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, you can find me on YouTube. Just search my name, Andrew Fenichel. My Twitter is at Andrew underscore Fenichel. Uh, TikTok, Instagram at Drew Fenny. Search my name. You'll find me. And uh, yeah, I appreciate you having me on, Dan. Anytime, my friend. Thanks for coming on. Great stuff. Yeah, look, Thank old you. guy like me, I, 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 in Indiana, I'm supposed to say that Bird is the greatest of all time. I, I didn't even know Larry Bird was until he showed up at Indiana State. Apparently, everybody else in the state did, but from northwest Indiana. So, uh, if you get down to Crown Point and below, that's southern Indiana to me. I mean, you get out to Valparaiso, I don't even know where the hell you are. You're in a cornfield, so that's the deal. But I'm a big Isaiah Thomas guy. I appreciate uh, just having a difference of opinion. David Robinson, great pick. I understand. Best all-around player of all time, according to our YouTube chat, comes down to Richard Hamilton and Andrew Bogut. And right now, Rip Hamilton is in the lead over Andrew Bogut. All right, who's our Wokadopes of today, big boy? What we got, Dylan? No, man, that was good. Uh-oh, did I surprise the... Oh, boy. Yeah, you are the beauty standard. I am in an in-your-face affirmation. No, you're a big, fat, uh, unhealthy human being. Now, if that gets you mad, then that gets you mad. You're not a beauty standard. You're not at all. I mean, look, you may be a beautiful person. That's awesome. But if you're talking about external, you're very unhealthy. And I will contend, I will fight this. I am not sitting here saying that fat people are healthy and fat should be the way. I am fat. My knees used to hurt until I got QC Kinetics. That's a true story. Everything about me used to hurt until I got with Affinity Whole Health and a testosterone. That's a true story. And both of those things helped me lose 15 pounds. And the truth of the matter is I walked through a casino the other day and I realized, wait a second, my knees don't hurt. Being fat is miserable. You can shine it up all you want. You can put on tight pants, do all that kind of stuff, and tell everybody that you're healthy and beautiful. But, hey, as a former skinny guy turned fat, I'm here to tell you that's all crap. That's as unhealthy. I don't give a damn how tight you wear clothes. I don't give a damn how jiggly uh, your big fat stomach is or your big fat ass is or your big fat fupa is. I'm just telling you, there ain't a damn thing healthy about that. That ain't no beauty standard, and I ain't buying it. I ain't buying it for a second. What else you got, big boy? I like fupa. Best, f- <laughs> Best female swimmer is a male. Female cycler is a male. Best female runner is a male. Female Jeopardy player, male. male. Male wins woman of the year. Male wins woman's beauty pageant. Let me ask you a question. If you put that out there 10 years ago, if you put that out and you said, all right, all right, this 10 years from now is going to be where we are in the world and the idiots in Washington, including our president, are going to support this and support children, children changing their gender. And some teachers are going to tell children, children, and write books about don't tell your parents. You would never have believed that this existed. There is not anything about you that you would believe this existed. You would say there is no chance 
this exists in the world today. None, zero, zip, nada. There's no way, but this is the world that we live in. We live in a world, we live in a world where people think that it's okay, okay, for teenagers to run rampant, break things. We live in a world where people go into stores and take whatever they want. You know a world we need to live in? We need to live, live in a world of the neighborhood in the Bronx tale, where a motorcycle gang comes in, tries to tear up a bar, and they lock the guys in and say, now you can't leave. And the neighborhood folks proceed to beat the living hell out of the criminals. That's the world that we lead. That's the world that we need. We need that kind of world. Screw the world where we let the idiots run rampant in the streets. Screw the world where the mayor-elect of Chicago says, don't demonize these kids. They don't have opportunities. Well, if they don't have opportunities, it's because your party, the Democrat Party, which has ruled Chicago, hasn't done a damn thing. A great YouTube chat today. Twitter numbers, we'll get them back. But the idea is simply this. We want you to go to YouTube because we, ladies and gentlemen, want you to enjoy this show just like you enjoy something on one of the major networks. So go subscribe on YouTube. Go to the OutKick YouTube channel. We're there every Monday through Friday from 9 o'clock until 11 o'clock. And you can subscribe. You can ring the bell. You can get uh, alerts. And Charlie Arnold is going to start a show before ours, so there's going to be a lead-in as we continue here at OutKick to take over the world as you know it in the sports media. Tomorrow, we're going to get into a lot of stuff. The NBA, or excuse me, the NFL draft is coming upon us. There's going to be fun stuff with that. Make sure you check out some NBA tonight. I'll have some picks up later on today about what I think is going to happen in the NBA tonight. Dylan and Ryan, thank you guys for all the work, of course, and everybody associated with this show. Have a great afternoon, everybody. Enjoy a beautiful day here, at least in Indianapolis.